All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Nick Perry. This is a replay from uh, last year. I threw this one back a little bit deeper, but man, again, another guy, just what a freaking powerhouse. You have been living under a rock if you don't know who a guy like Nick Perry is. He has just been taking over real estate, taking over social media. He's on Instagram. He's on TikTok. He's all over the place with his seven-figure cartel, now his eight-figure cartel, kicking butt, taking names, helping people wholesale and do deals all over the country. Uh, another guy that's just a, a very straight shooter, very raw guy who is who he is who he is. You see his lifestyle, and uh, he makes no apologies for it. And I, I think it's inspiring, and he's got a authenticity there that I think a lot of people can learn and benefit from. So he brings his message, he brings his personality, he brings entertainment, and he brings a ton of knowledge, experience, and success to this podcast and to all the stuff he does. So check the show notes for all the ways to connect and stay in touch with Nick Perry. If you are not following him on social media, you are missing out. And I appreciate Nick for coming on and uh, we're trying to get some uh, commercial stuff done. I've gone back and forth on a few mobile home parks and hopefully 2023 is the year that we get to do some business together. So I look forward to doing some business with you, Nick. And thank you guys for listening. Nick Perry, ladies and gentlemen, nick.com slash links to all the show notes to connect with me everywhere. Definitely appreciate all of you guys have a safe and happy holiday and looking forward to 2023. Text real estate if you guys want to do some deals together. 516-540-5733. Nick.com slash links. A-game podcast. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to the A-game podcast with Nick LaMagna. Digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is a former personal trainer turned entrepreneur. He is an investor, founder and mentor of the Seven Figure Cartel, founder and CEO of Want to Sell Now. He owns a big rig business. He buys and sells real estate virtually in 45 out of 50 states and climbing. Made over $3 million in 2020 doing double-digit deals every single month. He is consistently doing $250,000 a month and with the seven-figure cartel is showing others how to do the same. He is a hiring specialist going from Virginia to Austin and Miami and now on the A-Game Podcast. Thank you for being here and welcome, Mr. Nick Perry. Let's go, man. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I can't wait to dive in with you and see how much, you know, how many nuggets we can drop here in the next few minutes. I love it, man. I've been listening to you on a lot of other interviews and podcasts, and you've come up as a guest speaker in a lot of the masterminds I'm in, and you're always bringing value, and you have so many good nuggets from so many different things. I love that wherever the person's bringing the, the conversation, whether it's it's hiring or business or mindset or habits or faith or anything, like you're always dropping really good knowledge. So I'm excited to get you on here, man, and uh, I'm sure everything you're going you're gonna to drop is going to be valuable to the audience. So for people who are not 100% um, familiar with you, right? Yeah. Can you give a quick 30,000 foot view of who you are and where you came from? Yeah, no, appreciate that. So Nick Perry, um, I grew up in Northern Virginia, right outside of you know, Washington, D.C. Humble beginnings, didn't have you know a lot growing up, but um, you know, started working at an early age. You know, basically, as soon as I get my worker's permit at 14 years old, I started working. You know, my uh, dad, who I was living with, didn't have a lot of money. Um, so, you know, there'd be days you know, where we couldn't, we didn't have anything to eat. So I had to you know, take personal responsibility and get myself to, to work so I could make sure I could eat lunch the next day. And so that was really what like instilled a lot of drive in me from, you know, my, my formative adolescent years was I do not want to live like that. I don't want to be broke. I want to make sure I have you know, a nice life, a good family, all that stuff. So um, started working, you know, retail jobs. And then right out of high school, I became a personal trainer and I uh, did that for like five years. And I realized like all the people that I'm training are pulling up in Bentleys. They got these nice cars. They're going on beautiful vacations. And like, I'm sitting here, you know, busting my butt 80 hours a week for 60 grand a year. And I was like, I'm, I missed the boat somewhere here. I need to figure out what are these rich clients that I'm training? What are they doing? And so I started actually interviewing my clients who were really wealthy and started to realize that it was a common theme. Either they owned a business, they were in some sort of high ticket sales, or they were really high up in tech. I'm not a tech guy. So I was like, all right, well, I need to get really good at sales and I need to own a business. So um, that really um, kind of kicked off my entrepreneurial um, journey. One of my clients actually hired me 
to sell uh, frozen yogurt franchises around the United States. So I uh, learned a lot through that process, working with other entrepreneurs, doing high ticket sales. And then um, that frozen yogurt trend like died out like completely in 2014. And so I found myself kind of at a crossroads again, like what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And um, I was looking at going my, uh, my stepfather's in the CIA. I was going to go to the CIA, uh, but I really didn't want to go and start at 40 grand a year and work for 25 years and retire at 120. I said, no, I want to have the freedom and the flexibility of owning a business. So um, I saved, I had a little money saved up. I had like seven grand. I moved down to Austin, Texas with no jobs, no connections, nothing. And uh, it was a, just a, basically a fresh chapter of my life. And that's when I came across real estate wholesaling through, you know, YouTube and really just immerse myself in it, started taking action. And then, you know, seven years, no, seven or almost eight years ago. And now here we are. That's amazing, man. There's so many good things to peel back. I'm, I'm almost glad I didn't meet you then because my fat ass definitely would have bought a yogurt franchise. <laughs> I, was there, like, I was there every day, man, eating those things, especially in the city. So, but that is true. I didn't even think about like how they popped up everywhere and then they just kind of disappeared, man. It's it's nuts. But, you know, I think it's awesome that you, you make money, you're successful, things change, you pivot, you jump right back on the horse. So I think the, the, the ability to, to jump back on and recreate without letting those beatings beach down too much that you're afraid to get back on and try again. And I also think the, um, like you were talking about, just, just growing and doing things and pushing towards wanting something more out of life are really the, the cliche things that keep coming up, but it really is what makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur. So I know you also worked for Indeed and you walked away from a lot of money, but was it hard going through that? Like, do you have to give yourself a pep talk? Like, what's the mindset like when you're going, okay, I just made all this money selling yoga franchises. Now that washed up are you bummed out or you were like hey man like i could just do this again with a great product because of all the lessons i learned about people and business from that no you know i'm always very excited and pushing forward in my life so i don't look in the rearview mirror you know i'm always looking hey what's next where can i evolve how can i get better and so you know i got those great skills along the way and now okay now what can i do with these skills to further my life so i was never bummed out or anything like that i was always you know excited for the next chapter and, um, you know, I'm just so grateful, you know, I came across real estate because uh, that was, you know, basically the vehicle that got me to where I'm at. So um, and it's always been that way, even at Indeed, anywhere, um, anytime I have you know, a setback or a failure, I don't see it as a setback or failure. It's always like, OK, well, God took that out of my life. So he's got something you know, bigger and better for me. So that's how I always see it. I love that, man. That's such a positive outlook. Is that something you inherited from your parents or friends you were around young, or is that something that's just kind of been part of your personality from a young age? Yeah, just part of my personality. You know, as you go through life, you know, life, you have good people that come into your life and teach you lessons. You know, I've had great mentors along the way. You know, additionally, just, you know, I'm really tapped into, you know, my walk with God and things like that. So I'm always trying to figure out, you know, hey, God, if, if something happens in life, you have a life's going to bring you crazy stuff. It's going to bring you setbacks, failures. It's going to bring you, you know, heartbreak, everything, but you got to be able to tap into who, whatever your higher power is and listen to that voice, you know, small voice inside and figure out what you're supposed to do. Because every time I've had a major crisis or anything in my life, um, it's always turned into a positive, right? So you can't dwell. You have to continually take one, you know, put one foot in front of the other when you're going through the shit. And, and as an entrepreneur, I promise you, you know, you're going to get a lot of stuff thrown your way. So you have to have that, uh, that mindset, I think, to, to really be successful. I love that, man. Another thing that I'm, I'm really impressed with is the fact that you were able to take stuff off of YouTube University and make it work. I feel a lot of people spend time, I find myself doing it for sure from time to time, but you get into these rabbit holes and it's like, oh, I'm watching this YouTube video and this guy's doing bandit signs and the other guy's doing PPC and this one's doing single family and this one's doing multi-units. And you get hit with this overwhelming uh, in, information overload and you wind up not really knowing what to focus on or where to start or what steps to take action. So you obviously go in too many different directions. You don't focus on one thing or you just wind up doing nothing because you're overwhelmed with where to even start. But you don't seem to have that problem. I'm very interested in what your decision making process is for what you focus on and what you choose to take action on. Yeah, I pick a lane and then I just go, you know, so yeah, like right now I'm, in, I'm doing commercial, but I'm heavily focused on, you know, mobile home parks. But, you know, it's just like when I started single family, right? You've got, you know, 
apartment buildings, you've got industrial. I mean, the niches go on forever. And if you just sat there and learned about every single one, you would never do anything. So it's the same thing, you know, as you guys are you know, getting into your single family business, you know, there's tons of different marketing types, tons of different exit strategies, but pick a lane that resonates well with you and, and go you know, head first, all in, and put your blinders on, and don't get distracted by all the shiny objects. Um, and you know, stop clicking on videos. Like, find <laughs> one person that really resonates with you, and um, and go deep into that. It's going to take you a lot further than trying to figure everything out and you know, put it all together. It doesn't work very well. That's awesome, man. You know, coming from your background in personal training, I feel like there's always a, a lot of parallels with everything, but specifically for, for health and wealth, it's two things people always want. They always want to do some new stuff to make more money. They always want to lose weight or have better habits with money or with fitness or with losing fat. But I feel like it always becomes a, a new fat diet or a new course. And then, you know, six months later, they gain the weight back or they didn't do anything with it. So being that you train people in finance and you used to train people in health, do you see a lot of the same similar traits in the people that were successful when they walk in? Like, is there something when, when you were a personal trainer and somebody walk in, you basically know after the first or second conversation, this is somebody who's going to get results and stick with it. And this is somebody who, you know, I'll, I'll train them for two years, but they're not, they're not really going to make any progress. And are you able to see the same thing similarly with people you're training on the real estate side? A hundred percent. So, you know, with like our seven figure cartel, that's why I don't work with, uh, we don't take on any newbies at the moment. And it's just because I need somebody that's already got that discipline and that success mindset. Uh, for me, like in the seven figure cartel, we take people that are already doing deals and it's really easy for me to get to into like a multiple seven figure level. And it's just because 90% of it is, you know, just your discipline, your daily habits, you know, how you're, um, how you're treating other areas of your life and your business it's not so much the mechanics like i can i can tell you what to do if you're successful give you the mechanics and watch your business explode that's easy for me but i'm not dr phil i'm not a therapist <laughs> so like i can't give i can't do all the you know yeah, inner work I, I i need to get be getting paid a lot more for that kind of stuff so it is crazy man i spent a long time doing mentoring and a lot of it was for newer investors and it's nuts that the the calls you're getting on, like they start out like, hey, I got a question about this deal. And then it's an hour about nonsense. And it's like, this is this turned into a psychiatry session, not a real estate session. And now you're getting off and we didn't really solve anything. So I, I do agree. And, and it winds up draining you as well. So I do I do believe that there's a, there's a lot to be said for taking somebody who's already in and helping them scale up because you don't have to deal with a lot of the in, in between the year stuff. Yeah, and you know, for a, uh, you know, just know that if, if you're going into entrepreneurhood, it's going to be, you're going to have to have very thick skin in order to, to be able to survive, right? There's a 99% failure rate for new businesses out there, like within the first five years. So you got to know that going in and know that you're going to be a one percenter. Like you're a one percenter. If you're listening to this right now, you're already on the right track. So just know light, the, the crap that's going to hit you each and every day um, is going to be brutal. And you just got to be you just got to be tough and you know, know that you're doing it and know what your why is and you're going to come out the other side and and get there eventually. But to your point, Nick, like it doesn't happen overnight. You see all the fad diets out there. You know, you see all the um, you know, get rich quick stuff. That's all BS. You got to understand it's the same thing as working out. Like you don't just show up, do a couple of workouts and now you got you know, a six pack and you're, <laughs> you know, uh, and you're looking great. No, this is where I am now is the evolution of, you know, I've been working 80 hours a week since I was like, you know, 15. So, you know, I've been putting, putting, I've, I've paid a lot of dues as, as, and I don't think there's any way to shortcut that. Yeah, I agree, man. It's, it's one of those things, but I, I don't know the exact, but it's like, you know, think things look simple after you struggle with them for, for 10 years, you know, 10, 15 years in your case. So um, I, I am going to quote you. I might misquote you, but I'm going to attempt to quote you. I heard you say confidence comes from honoring the promises you make to yourself. And I thought that that was so valid, what we're talking about with habits and accountabilities. And that's what I really feel like a lot of it comes down to is setting up that expectation and holding yourself accountable to whatever it is every day and owning those those decisions. What types of things do you do on a daily basis to, to set up your day for accountability and hold yourself to that? Comes down to very simple disciplines. And I'm just going to, you know, for you guys that are listening, this is so important just for, um, you know, your career, your family, your finances, like literally everything is. Every time you honor a promise that you make to yourself, no matter how big or small, you get a little bit more confidence. So 
you say, hey, I'm going to make it my bed this morning and you do it, that's going to make you a little bit more confident. You don't do it subconsciously, it's going to rob a little bit of confidence from you. You say you're going to the gym this morning and then you don't go. Well, guess what? You just got a little bit less confident subconsciously and it goes the other way. So, you know, those tiny daily little things that you are seemingly insignificant are actually very important in the grand scheme of how you conduct yourself in your life, your business, how you show up in your relationships, how you interact with, um, you know, business partners and colleagues and all that stuff. So, you know, for me, you know, personally, it is just small daily disciplines. You know, I get up at <clears throat> same time every single morning, make the bed, walk the dogs, do prayer, uh, gratitude, read the Bible, go to the gym, get my day started before, you know, 9 a.m. That's, you know, that's just good, solid morning routines. And then, you know, just other, you know, things, if you have, you have obligations to, um, you know, family or whatever, don't forget to call your mom, like little stuff like that all gives you, you know, more um, confidence going through your, your daily activities, which makes a huge impact in business. I agree, man. It's a muscle like anything else, the more you do it. And I think every, every one of those things, like you're saying, are little battles, even from the snooze button in the morning. Like I immediately, I'm like, oh man, I'm so mad at myself. If I get that extra 30 minutes of snooze and I'm like, man, like I'm already starting by not taking accountability. So I think those little things through the day are really what adds up. People, people think it's the big stuff. It's not like my friends who win, you know, UFC titles. It's, it's like, Hey, tell me the two or three big things that got you there. It's like, no, no, no. It was every meal, every round, every run, every exercise, every punch, every kick, like those things add up to those monumental things. But how much more confident do you show up when you don't hit the snooze button? Right? Like, so when you're, when you're talking to a seller on the phone or you're talking to you know, somebody about a big deal or whatever, you're going to show up more confident that enthusiasm and that energy is going to be what gets you the deal that you would have lost if you would have had some, you know, um, if you would have been having some bum like swag that day because you, you know, slept in and you feel <laughs> you know, subconsciously uh, you know, inferior. So do the small things. That's what's going to actually that's the, the real magic sauce. If you guys want the, you know, how do you become a you know, multimillionaire? It's, it's that kind of stuff. I wish I could tell you that here's a silver bullet, but it doesn't, it doesn't really exist. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's looking for that simple answer and it's not, it's not there. So, you know, talking about your business now, moving on to acquisitions, talk a little bit about your process because I was dealing nationwide for a while. I still do on the commercial side, um, but I, I've gone back and forth a lot of like, do I want to go all over the nation or do I want to really pick a few and go deeper into it? And um, a lot of people talk me out of like, you don't want to keep doing that. You don't want to keep doing that. And then you were like a breath of fresh air where you're like, nah, man, I'm, I'm all over the country. So I really wanted to get on and talk to you about your strategy for investing nationwide and how it, how it turned into that. I mean, I don't know if your initial uh, plan was to just go all over the country or it just kind of branched out when you saw the opportunity. Yeah. So it, it, it originated from me trying to get more leads in Texas because my business is in Austin. So I was trying to get leads in Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, all those MSAs. And uh, I was doing that through search engine optimization. And I ranked really, really well for a lot of the keywords, like first page for a lot of the major you know, keywords within our industry. But the problem was, is I wasn't showing up in any of those Texas MSAs. I was showing up everywhere in the United States. So I'm getting leads from everywhere. And I, don't, I didn't know what to do with them. I was throwing them out for like the first like you know, nine or 10 months. And then there came a point I was really low on leads in my home markets. And so I said, you know what, let's just take a shot on one of these like out of state properties and got one under contract. I think like the first or second day, you know, the seller was the same, the converse, the motivation was the same, evaluated the property, contracted it, scrambled and found a buyer, made $12,000. And then that was kind of proof of concept. And um, I just started, you know, working those leads. And then my SEO went down the drain. Google hit me with like a search engine penalty and sent me back to page 70. And so I had no more organic traffic and I was like, well, now I already know how to do this nationwide thing. Let's go ahead and um, like actually do it with, you know, pay-per-click advertising. And to my surprise, you know, I did that and my cost per lead was a fraction. I'm talking like 10% of what it would be if I was just marketing in like say Dallas or Houston, you know, I'd be paying $250 a lead in any of those major MSAs, but Google gives you kind of an economy of scale to where I was getting Back then, I was getting leads on Google for like five dollars. Oh, so, wow. so you know, it turned into um, basically how 
you know, I do business now and I would go to masterminds and people would tell me like, Hey, you need to stay focused. You need to niche down, pick a handful of markets, all that. But at that point I had already started really cracking the code on how to contract these properties, how to get pictures from sellers, how to be able to efficiently you know, disposition the process without having, you know, issues with title companies or buyers snaking your deals. And so, you know, through just doing these over and over again, um, you know, my process has got really good to the point now, you know, we'll do between two and four contracts a day when we're in the office. And it's just, you know, just a repeatable process at this point. We got a phenomenal team. That's amazing, man. And I, I love the discussion on inbound versus outbound. So obviously inbound for people who don't know, they're calling you. It's almost like you're going out to all the bars, asking all the girls for a date versus you're sitting home and your phone's just ringing off the hook. So it's a completely different type of conversation, but you have to usually pay for those types of things. Probably not the best strategy on the dating side to pay for that, but on the business side, there's a lot of perks to that. And on PPC, I think is interesting because my initial thought when you said that would be if you're going to do PPC all over the nation, your budget's going to get eaten up immediately on stuff you don't want. So I'm very surprised to hear the opposite answer there. Yeah, we, I mean, you can exclude certain areas. You know, if you're in, if you're not comfortable working properties, you know, in super rural areas, you can exclude those kind of things. So there's all kinds of strategies that we teach to make sure that you get the highest ROI out of your campaigns. And like our coaching goes super heavy into that. You know, because obviously, you know, you want to make sure that you're getting at least on PPC, you should be getting at least a 6X return on investment. So $1 in, $6 out is minimum. I mean, we're, we're closer to like 13 on our, on our marketing. So $1 in, $13 out. So, um, and once you get it dialed in, yeah, I mean, it's very easy to do that versus, um, you know, I know right now, you know, most investors are doing telecommunications, so cold calling, ringless voicemail, text messaging. And, um, here's the big kicker with why inbound is so much more powerful is it'll take, you know, on a, uh, say a call or a text lead, 40 to 60 leads to get a contract, right? With the inbound, it takes 12. So, you know, my guys are working twice as efficient as, you know, another company that's generating, you know, leads through cold calling or SMS. I love what you were saying too about the difference in the teams, because again, if, if I could sit home and just have the phone ring for my acquisitions guy and he has people that are going, please help me. I have this property versus, you know, oh, how much do you want? Like, and they got 30 or 40 other offers. Like you get burnt out with the cold calls. I mean, it obviously works, but I think obviously quality of life for your team, you're probably having better retention and better quality of life and better conversations all day. Oh man. If I would started giving them cold calling leads, I, I think they'd all probably quit. So. <laughs> So what's your, uh, what, on the on the deal side of it, what are some things in the markets when you're advertising everywhere that are, are deal killers for knowing specific sides of town you might not want or, or really like honing in? I imagine you're getting a lot more specific on what your buy box is for your area and your type of deal. Yeah, so, you know, we're evaluating properties in new markets all the time. And the first thing that we do is we look at what's going on in terms of the actual market itself. So we'll look at the for sales before we even go into sold comps. Because we like to look at, you know, you can go on Zillow and look at what's for sale, um, you know, that's similar to the properties you're buying. And you want to see what's what kind of activity um, is happening with these kinds of properties. You know, are they all getting a ton of saves in a very short amount of time? Or are these properties sitting on the market? They've been, you know, all been sitting there for, you know, four to six months and they've got, you know, a handful of saves. That's not a good sign. So you want to get a real pulse on what's going on in that individual city. Um, and that's a leading indicator to see if this is going to be a hot market or not. So we work a lot of small towns because you'd be surprised. You guys know how the real estate market is right now in 2021. It's hotter than ever. Some of our best deals come from these small, medium-sized cities that nobody's ever heard of because there's absolutely no inventory. We go in and get a you know, great price on the property and turn around and you know, either assign it or we'll flip it ourselves and we're making huge profits and, you know, these places nobody's ever heard of. I love that, man. I've always been a big proponent of those sub-markets outside the major cities. You know, I, I think they came from, I grew up on Long Island and, and initially I was looking at New York, New York City and starting out with no money, no credit, no experience. It was like, well, 
I feel a lot more comfortable buying a $35,000 house in Georgia than I do an $800,000 one bedroom in New York where, you know, so you, you learn to kind of go, all right, well now the Olympics are coming in. So nobody can get anything in Atlanta, the city, because the hedge funds are buying it. But 20, 30, 40 minutes outside, people are still commuting to work to the major city and you get a great deal and you're not competing with as many people. And sometimes you can buy two or three properties for the same price you could in the city. I, I think it's just a great strategy. Absolutely. I mean, you have, you know, you just go where other people aren't, right? So, you know, it's a blue ocean strategy compared to, you know, just constantly staying in one, you know, pocket where everybody's calling the same leads and, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I would highly, you know, whether you're doing telecommunications or inbound or whatever, you know, look to some of the more tertiary markets, you're going to get much better discounts. And like I said, the market is insane right now. So, yeah, if you've got a deal, you're going to be able to find a buyer. What are you looking at as far as construction prices? Because that was one of the biggest things that was eye-opening to me was, I mean, even in markets that when you go deep in it, like I just, I was just getting a house painted out here for like a sub two we're doing. And the bids came back from $850 to $14,000 for like the same exact paint job. So it was like crazy, but then market to market, you see a little bit different. So when you're coming into a new market, are you seeing a big variation in what your initial construction estimates are? No, I mean, we do take that into consideration for, you know, certain MSAs, you know, we're going to put five to 10% in either direction on our repair estimates based on, um, you know, what kind of market it is, but uh, above and beyond that, we're not getting too deep into it. The majority of the properties were wholesaling. So, you know, we find out pretty quickly if, if there becomes a problem where we, you know, underestimated the repairs, you know, we'll make sure that we let the seller know, hey, did you know, Mr. Seller, that it's actually, you know, the price of paint is, you know, five times higher in your city than other places and we'll negotiate, but our guys are really good. You know, I haven't talked to a buyer or seller in years, but our guys are constantly, you know, getting this kind of data on a daily basis and refining our um, strategy. It's a fluid, you know, we're always training our team. Like we do trainings with our team three times a week. And this is stuff we're constantly talking about. That's awesome, man. I love that. And, and how is the Texas market, especially Austin? I know now that it's Joe Rogan town and everybody's following him and Elon Musk there. Are you doing any deals within the Austin city limits? Not unless one really falls on my lap. But I mean, I will get a handful of deals in Austin a year, but it's not something that we're you know targeting specifically just because it's not really a great um, market for wholesale. It's phenomenal if you're a developer, you know, you can really make a lot of money in Austin if you're like a new build developer, things like that. But in terms of like a, a fix and flip wholesale market, um, it's very, the cost per deal is, is very high compared to other markets and your average assignment fee or, you know, the amount that you, you're going to get on a flip isn't really worth the, um, really worth the squeeze in my opinion. You could take your marketing dollars, put them into another city and get like three or four times the return on investment as you can in Austin. But I mean, I love Austin. That's where my um, you know, office is based. That's where my entire team is. My office is actually like a quarter mile from Joe Rogan's. So we, you know, we're right, we're right there. It's um, a really fun city, but it's not somewhere that like I have like a love for wholesaling or fixing and flipping. That makes sense, man, completely. And then as, as far as your exit strategies on that, are you doing buy and holds? Are you doing hotels? Are you doing fix and flips too? I know you're obviously doing a lot of wholesaling, but yeah. So, you know, we try to uh, keep as many rentals as we can. You know, we're cherry picking all the properties that we want to keep for, you know, long-term in our portfolio. And we'll either take them down as a rental, put a tenant in there, or we'll sell them owner finance or do a lease option on them. Just depends on, you know, what, what makes the most sense. It's case by case. And then we do quite a bit of um, whole, uh, whole tales. So, you know, fixed and flips, yeah, I consider those like complete gut jobs, you know, uh, properties that require over $30,000 in work. We don't do a lot of that anymore just because it's very um, capital intensive. You take on a lot of risk and exposure. The properties, it tends up taking a lot longer. So the majority of the flips that we do are below $30,000 in repairs. And we do these virtually too. So we don't leave the office. We've got properties all over the country that, you know, we're deploying capital into you know, giving them like cosmetic updates and then putting them on the MLS. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate soon, whether you're beginner, intermediate or advanced, 
any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. That's awesome, man. I couldn't agree more with you on the, the big flips right now. I think it's a, a dangerous model with everything that's happening. You know, construction's high price cities are backed up with permits and things like that. So I think it's a chains of mess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm. Awesome, man. So now on the disposition side, is it, is, is it to you a little bit more important to look into those cities and figure out what are people buying and then reverse engineer it back into that? Or are you just using like similar formulas to, to figure out what your spreads would be and then just kind of launching them out and seeing who the big players are out there? We do. So, you know, in our, in our trainings, you know, we go over, you know, what, you know, key indicators to look for in each market to be able to decide, you know, what is an investor going to be willing to pay? Because, you know, Houston, Texas is going to be different than, you know, Detroit, right? The buyers in Detroit are going to want to purchase at less than the buyers in like Houston or in New York or a Miami or a Phoenix. So being able to see the nuances and the, uh, of what's going on in each market to decide how much we're able to offer is very important. So, you know, we're basically basing our offers. Um, we're not reverse engineering based on like buyer's feedback. We have data that we can look at and say, okay, you know, here we need to be at, you know, 65 cents on the dollar minus repairs. And then in these markets, we can be at 75 cents on the dollar minus repairs. So, you know, you're just looking at those certain um, key indicators to make accurate offers. I'll tell you that was, um, you know, a, a bit of a plug here accidentally, but it, it really is interesting to me that you do that because I feel like where people hold off is like, yeah, I know how to get deals, but like, then how do I figure this out? How do I figure out the construction prices? How do I figure out what people are paying for there? And when they have somebody like you, like you said, who's already doing that work, I, I've paid, like, I'm sure you have, and we'll talk about it, hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last, you know, five, 10, 12 years for education to get those shortcuts. So I don't have to figure those things out. So I, I do really like that you've put that work in nationally. And I assume like when you come on with the seven figure cartel, is that part of the things that you guys discuss with the students? Big time. So my goal with the seven figure cartel is to get everybody that goes through there to get their company to multiple seven figures a year. It's plain and simple. So that's like my contribution, you know, back into your real estate, because I've had so many great mentors pour into me, you know, I want to be able to, you know, pour into other people. And that's really what's rewarding is seeing, you know, the results that all the people that are, are coming through there that they're getting. Um, yeah, so we are literally an open book. I don't hold back because I want to see their success. I want to see their businesses grow. Um, I'm all about results. I mean, you, like you said, you've been to a lot of masterminds. So have I. And all that matters at the end of the day, when you go to masterminds and you go to educational seminars is results and the relationships that you get. So that's what I really focused on is get all the students results as quickly as possible and make sure they've got a community of like-minded people that they can you know, do deals with, um, learn from, create lifelong friendships, things like that. So you know, the, it, keep it super simple. I've spent over 700 grand on my own education. So I, I was like, this is how I want to do it. I'm going to do it, do it my way. And I feel like it's, it, it's working really well. It's, it's interesting because new investors, especially like when you talk there and then people start to ask and you talk about trading, they kind of roll their eyes and they're like, well, I don't want to do that. It's like, well, you know, I've done 170, 80 episodes now and I've talked with countless millionaires at different masterminds and successful people in life and business. And not a single one has ever said, I did it on my own. I never signed up for any additional training. I didn't have a coach to help me. So I feel like thinking that that's the way it's going to go is nuts. And it, almost the opposite of like, man, well, how come Nick is killing it with all these different properties and he's doing like, you know, two to five deals a day. It's like, well, he invested $700,000 in himself to be able to make that like almost monthly. So 
the results are there, but people just, I, I think they want to find those excuses to, like you said, perfect example with the health stuff. Like, Hey, we can teach you good eating habits and I can show you what to do every day for 90 days. And they go, yeah, but there's this commercial that I can take this pill. I'm just going to go do that. And you're like, that person's going to call me back in six months anyway. You know what I mean? It's, it's nuts. Yeah. And I'm always looking for a way that I can get better. How can I get you know, an edge in the marketplace? How can I be a better version of myself tomorrow? And if I see that there's, you know, uh, a training and I, I don't know a ton of stuff and I'm just constantly trying to learn as well. So I think it's super important that you continue to invest into your, um, into yourself and into your business. You know, if you don't, you're not going to have the, um, you know, you're not going to have the connections. You're not going to have the most up-to-date marketing strategies. You know, there's simple little shifts in your business, you know, will take you a long way over the course of a year. You know, you meet, you know, say I meet Nick at a, a mastermind and he teaches me, you know, one, one little marketing strategy or one closing technique that I didn't know. Well, it may seem like, okay, well, he gave me a gold nugget, but think about it. you get back and you implement that into your business. Where does your business end up over the course of an entire year? Right? Like it might not matter a lot right away, but then you look a year down the road and I've been using Nick's closing technique and now it's, you know, closed me you know, an additional million dollars in deals. See, all that stuff adds up and you've got to kind of continually be, you know, sharpening, you know, your skills and getting around like-minded people. I love that, man. And as far as uh, the students you're working with, I, again, I think it's interesting because more and more what I'm trying to find other masterminds and people to link myself up with, I love looking for people that have already been to a bunch of other stuff. And, and my I guess my old thought process was I have to take everything everybody says and follow it to a T, but then you start to see that everybody has a little bit of a variation. And now I've learned to kind of take it, soak it in, ingest it, and then see what really works for me and what kind of adjustments I need to make. But being that, again, you've spent all that money, I like that you get to kind of go around and take all the highlights and put it in and people benefit from that. And that's why I feel like the learning curve overall for investors, like they're doing more in a year or two than I did in 10 years because the accumulation of all of that knowledge and stuff that people can put into a course like yourself, um, what are you finding like as far as, is there almost too much information again for you? So if you're going to two or three or four different things, are you doing like you said that I'm taking one or two key things and going home and implementing them? Because I find when I don't do that, I go home and I wind up doing nothing. Big time. So when you go to you know, best practice, if you guys are you know, watching videos or you're doing, um, you know, uh, you're going to, to seminars, masterminds, things like that. Obviously, you want to sit there, make sure that you're you're being intentional with why you're there. Know what you're looking for when you go to these places. If you've got an issue with marketing, then make that the goal to solve your marketing problem while you're on that trip. Or you've got a problem with hiring, whatever it is. Whatever it is, make it intentional that this is what I want to solve when I go out there. And obviously, take notes, learn as much as you can. But it's going to be those two or three things that you leave that trip with that's going to fix whatever issue you're having in your business so you can get to that next level i love that man and do you have any any information or, or tips for ingesting content for stuff for yourself out there is there certain times you do it or don't like i've been trying to now only watch recordings and not get on things live if they're during the day so like early morning run i was listening all morning going for runs at like 5 6 a.m and listening to your podcast and stuff like that so when do you find it's the best time to ingest content and learn new things without or anything like that when I'm doing cardio like I want to learn and get new information so it's a great time to do it during cardio sessions um, and then on, turn your car into a university you know don't listen to you know uh, you know I don't listen to music very much I listen to you know audible um, I listen to podcasts you know that things that are going to, to feed my mind to help me you know be a better person that's awesome, man. I love that. And uh, as far as the seven figure cartel, how do people find out about it? And like, what's the structure? I know you do like bi-weekly calls. There's online stuff that people can take in. Yeah. So it's, we, we do meet up, um, but you know, we meet up in my office or here in Miami. Uh, but the, uh, the majority of it, like I said, it's all about getting results as quickly as possible. So, you know, as soon as you sign up, you have access to literally my entire blueprint, all the course curriculum, literally 
what I do from start to finish in every department of my business. And then my goal is to, I'm literally just going to handhold you to success. So every two weeks we're meeting up on Zoom um, and going over the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's going on in your business. Yeah, so we'll talk about the wins, the struggles, what roadblocks you have coming up right now or anticipated roadblocks you have coming up in the future. So we can always stay on offense and we make sure that you're not getting stuck anywhere in your um, in your wholesaling business. And I've, I'll literally work with you until you get to multiple seven figures. And we've already got graduates from the program that we've only been around since February of 2021 when, when this is being recorded. And now it's August and there's people that are, have gone through it all and made, you know, are making millions of dollars now. So it's really humbling to you know, be able to make that kind of impact. That's awesome, man. I love to hear that. So um, sevenfigurecartel.com is the website? That's it. Yeah. So just the number sevenfigurecartel.com and you can go there. That, and then if you follow me on Instagram at Nick Perry, REI, um, you know, you could, there's links in my bio too. So just sevenfigurecartel.com. If you got any questions on it or anything, shoot me a DM. I'm happy to, happy to kind of see if it's a fit for you. Cool. Awesome. And uh, again, anybody listening to this, go to the show notes if you want to. I'll have all the links for that stuff in there, man. And I appreciate it because that's uh, initially how we linked up. But I sent that extra one because I, like all day long, I see people like, hey, I DM'd you and then I check it and it's like, are you interested in Forex? Are you looking for Bitcoin? So I had to like put, I was like, dude, I DM'd you, but I'm not trying to get you. <laughs> you responded. Right, right. It's like crazy, man. Those DMs are getting invaded these days with like nonsense and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I get hit up. It's it's 24-7 with all the solicitation in your inbox. So <laughs> I'm with you on that. Nice, man. So I disposition, selfish question for me is everybody's been telling me to ask you this. So part of the business model we've been doing out here is like we're getting stuff under contract. Sometimes they're giving us like two, three weeks due diligence. So we're going in, cleaning all the stuff out before we've actually closed on it, fixing them up, throwing it on the MLS and like and wholetailing them. And I'm getting other brokers that are pissed off and they're going, well, they don't really have title. So, you know, I keep going back and forth with the attorney on like, what do we need to say in here that we don't have title, but we'll have it by the time we close and X, Y, and Z. Um, and then other people are like, it's illegal. You can't do that. But nobody really has any authority or anything they can point to with any sort of logistics there. I know you're selling properties on the MLS. Are you taking them down first? Are you marketing them while they're under contract? Like, how are you using the MLS to dispo? Yeah, you know, we'll put them up there with, you know, basically, basically as is you know with um you know notes in there that it's cash or hard money only before this is before we actually close on the property and we're we're transparent with the seller we don't try to you know hide it or anything like that we just tell them hey this is part of the process and allow them and, and let them know that you know we're still closing on you know x date for y price and this is just standard operating procedure and so you know with the brokers yeah, the, the, a lot of brokers and agents like to pretend like the, the police all the time. So, <laughs> you know, you just take it with a grain of salt. I don't really, um, you know, entertain a lot of those phone calls. You know, my disposition guys get, I hear it all the time. And I, I tell them, don't even try to argue and try to, and change their mind. Just, you know, politely hang up the phone and, and move on to the next, next thing. So you're always going to get people that are going to you know, be haters and come at you sideways. So don't let it discourage you from, you know, doing what you got to do to, you know, fulfill the seller's, you know, uh, mission of getting the property sold and, you know, getting a cash buyer, you know, that's your job at the end of the day is to make that happen. So. And then are you factoring in like a 6% fee when you throw it on there? Yeah. I mean, we want to make sure that everybody's compensated. It's a win-win for the uh, seller, the realtor for you. So we're, you know, you're going to get higher prices on the MLS than you are in with anybody's cash buyers list, just hands down. You know, a seasoned fix and flipper is not going to compete with the doctor or lawyer that's going to go on the MLS and buy something on market for cash. Yeah, you know, that and that doctor or lawyer might want one or two rental properties, um, and they're going to pay much higher than somebody that's sitting on a buyer's list. So. Yeah, man, 100%. The last question on that is, are they doing anything for like threatening? So, you know, like we'll put it on and they'll say, well, we're, we're going to report your license to the board. And I'm like, all right. And like at the end of the day, again, I, I, you, you consult with your local attorneys and stuff. And they're like, well, there's not really anything they can do because you have the stuff in there. But is there any concern of that? Uh, I don't really worry about it. I mean, I tell my guys, if you're not getting in trouble at least once a week, you're not trying hard <laughs> enough. Uh, but I don't I mean, I don't have a license for like a, I'm not a realtor or anything like that. So, yeah, they can report me all they want. I'm not doing anything illegal. You know, uh, everybody's we're, we're 
open book here. You know, we're being transparent about what's going on in the transaction with the seller, the title companies, the buyers. So, you know, if you want to go tattletale to your board of realtors, it's not going to affect me. Are you just throwing it on the MLS through like flat fee and Redfin and stuff like that then? Yeah. <clears throat> yep. So we'll put it up there and, <clears throat> you know, we'll make sure that we, um, you know, disclose everything in the description to his cash or hard money purchase only do not disturb occupants uh, by appointment only all that kind of stuff nice man nice and then uh the hiring stuff i thought was really interesting too especially since i know that um we didn't get too deep into it with your story mm-hmm. but you were making over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year and walked away from that job and i think the average person that goes and gets like a four-year degree and goes into a career their goal is to make $250,000 a year. So when they hear somebody, you walk away, it's, it's, it's almost like staggering. What type of reaction did you get from your friends and your family when you told them, Hey, I'm quitting my $250,000 a year job? Uh, I mean, surprisingly, you know, it was overwhelming support. You know, so, you know, everybody that, you know, they knew that I did not want you. I mean, you can't, I can't be bought. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not, no, if, even if it was a million dollars, $2 million a year, it's not worth, um, worth my freedom. It's just not, I'm not built that way. You know, as a grown man, I can't have another grown man. Like it, it doesn't work. It doesn't sit well with me. I, like, I gotta, I gotta drive my own ship. I need to you know, be, in, be in control of my future. And so um, my, even my boss that I had at the time, he was, he was ecstatic for me. He was like working with me to that point. You know, like, hey, look, man, I know I'm going to lose you, but like I was this, you know, I was the star performer at Indeed, Top Gun, President's Club, all that stuff. And they would, you know, you'd be like, look, man, can you give me one more quarter? Give me one more quarter. And so I paid my dues there. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of hate uh, from, you know, some a lot of my coworkers and things like that. But they're the same people that are hitting me up in my DMs now, like asking me how to do real estate. So. Exactly, man. I love that. That's awesome. It's good to be surrounded by people like that. You know, and as far as Indeed goes, um, hiring across the board seems to be really tough right now for a lot of the people I'm talking to. And I know you have a lot of tips and tricks on that. Indeed was working really well for me for a while, but it's, it's I'm getting less and less from it. But from what I hear you say in other interviews, like there's a lot of ways you can be using those resources wrong. Do you have any, uh, any like quick tips and tricks on just getting that out there to get more hits on your ads? Yeah, I mean, if you're um, using utilizing Indeed, you know, be creative. You want to make sure, like I said, if you're hiring for an acquisitions, you know, put your job out there five and five, like post it like five times. But you can't duplicate content on Indeed, so you can't just plagiarize the same job title and the same job description five different times. They have search quality bots that crawl the website, and if they see a bunch of plagiarized duplicate content, they're gonna flag your jobs, and you can't run them. So spin your job descriptions and your job titles five different ways, post them up there. It's going to give you a lot more exposure on the search engine. Yeah. And I mean, theoretically, you could expand that out, do it 10 different ways, 20 different ways, right? You have, there's plenty of people, there's, there's free websites that you can spin articles and stuff like that. Right. So, um, you switch it up, you know, also post in different cities. Like, so if you're in, um, you know, Austin, Texas, post in Round Rock, Texas, post in all the neighboring suburbs as well, because you want to just get as many eyeballs on your ads as possible. So you're going to have the, uh, you have all your job posting showing up at one time. And remember, Indeed ages out um, as time goes on. So if you post something today, um, you know, as more employers post onto the website, your job, your job posting is going to get pushed further and further down the search results, even if you sponsor it. Um, you're going to get pushed to the back of the you know, page two, three, four, and then you're not going to have any visibility anymore. So you need to be refreshing your post every you know, couple weeks. You know, if you have a, a bunch of jobs up today, next week, go in and turn all your jobs off, pause, pause them all and post them again as a brand new job. So they show up today. You can't just like pause and unpause them. So those are some best practices that should get yeah, when, if you do execute on that correctly, you're going to, I mean, you can get as much candidate flow as you want. That's awesome. And that's great info. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Ever wanted to play the drums or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, 
Biohazard, The Real Mackenzies, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world, and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. So this has been awesome, man. Again, I, I appreciate you being generous with your time and sharing all this experiences and content and stuff. And I like to call this the victory lap as we kind of roll things up in a nice bow at the end and just ask a few final questions. First one being, do you have a favorite quote? Favorite quote is uh, whatever it takes. Grant Cardone, you know, I'm, yeah, I love a lot of his content and I think it's so true. Like, you know, you have to be a team player, be able, be able to roll up your sleeves and do whatever it takes. Um, despite adversity, despite what you feel like doing, you know, your goals don't care about your feelings. So, you know, it, you're, you're not going to get, like you said, to use the workout analogy, like uh, not feeling like working out isn't going to get you in shape. So you know, do whatever it takes to get to where you're trying to go. I love that, man. What's, uh, what's one of your favorite books? Uh, favorite books? Um, man, I really like, I mean, the, um, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill is a must read for anybody. They got it on Audible too, but it's just, you know, it's a, it's just a great life manual going through basically, you know, how, um, you know, different forces in life are going to pull you off, off of your, your actual destiny and, you know, what God has in store for you. And it's about how to, you know, keep, keep yourself in the right frame of mind. So you don't end up getting sidetracked and pulled into, you know, different, um, things that might seem insignificant, but don't like, you know, you, you think that, you know, maybe smoking isn't that bad, but smoking leads to, you know, you, you know, do now you're drinking and then now you're eating shitty and then your know, life kind of spirals out of control. So you got to read that book, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Phenomenal. If you haven't read it, download it on Audible or, you know, pick up the hard copy. That's awesome. I'm going to check that. I actually never heard of that before. So I'm going to look into that one. Yep. Yeah, great, great book. Nice. So knowing what you know now about life and business, what advice would you give a younger Nick Perry today? Yeah, you know, just the power of, you know, I was a hard head coming into it. You know, I wanted to try to figure a lot of stuff out on my own. And it wasn't until I really just started paying mentors. Like I told you, I spent 700 grand on my education. And that was intentional because, you know, once I started paying to get in a lot of these rooms that I've been in now, um, it opened up so many doors in my life that I wish I would have just done that sooner is, you know, even if I, you got to put it on a credit card or whatever, I pay to be, pay to play, get yourself in the right rooms, be the dumbest person in the room, be a sponge and allow yourself to, um, you know, just uh, be in the proximity of, of, of power and resources. You don't have to work so hard as long as you know the right people and you're getting the right information. That's great advice, man. I absolutely love that. You're, you're interesting because you're so successful, but you're very open-minded like a sponge. Like I, I don't see a lot of ego in there. And obviously you have to have some to get where you are in life, but I feel like you have a really healthy balance of that. And that, that's hard to find a lot of people. So it's refreshing for me to hear. Yeah, man. I mean, I always play with a chip on my shoulder, like, you know, Michael Jordan, <laughs> but I'm always trying to get better every single day. And I, I believe you can learn from absolutely anybody the from the janitor to the CEO. So you treat everybody with respect and, you just do the best you possibly can. And that's, you know, that, that's what's worked out for me. That's awesome, man. So talking about stuff that's going on with you now, I know we were touching on what, what you're looking for in the future. So um, for people that are listening to this and finding ways that they can bring value back to you, I know you're looking for mobile home parks. Now you're looking for multifamily talk about your buy box and the stuff you're looking for. So if people have them, they can send them your way. Big time. So, you know, we just got 165 units up in Indiana where uh, I'm aggressively purchased more. I've already bank approved to buy, you know, uh, as many parks as I need to, uh, in terms of like my personal liquidity, I've got plenty of money I need to deploy into, you know, purchasing these, purchasing these parks right now that I got private money. Like if it's a deal, I'm closing on it. So if you have any mobile home parks that are 20 plus units, really anywhere in the South, 
send them over to me. Um, I'll get you an offer, you know, pretty much same business day. I'll tell you if I'm in or I'm out. Um, but as long as it's 20 plus units, I'm happy to take a look at it, evaluate it for you. I am the end buyer. I'm not going to wholesale or anything like that. Like my goal is <clears throat> to get to 2000 units. I'm at 165 units right now. I want 2000 units here in the next 18 months. Then I'll you know, take them, take them all value at them, probably sell them off to a hedge fund, put that money into you know, some nice commercial, like uh, triple net leases and take like a year off is, is what <laughs> I'm trying to do right now. So. Nice, man. That, that's what, the what plan right now. Yeah, the, the mobile home parks have been phenomenal for me. So uh, anything mobile home park related, send it to me. It's same with, uh, you know, uh, apartments too. I have the same uh, access to liquidity and financing on uh, any any apartments. It's just there's not as many deals out there for apartments at the moment. So I'm focused on uh, mobile home parks or apartments. So any commercial properties, I'm your end buyer. I'll you know take a look at them personally for you and. Yeah, give you a response if it's, uh, you know, while I'm, if I'm in or if I'm not in, why I'm not in on it. That's awesome, man. What are you looking for as far as um, like neighborhoods, cash on cash, cap rate, things like that? Obviously, value add you said you're looking for. Yeah, so the banks, the way that they, they look at these is they're looking for the debt coverage ratio on the park. So a really, really easy way to make sense of it is just take the gross income of the park, the monthly gross income. Uh, so say if the park's bringing in $10,000 a month, just do half of that. So I can pay between uh, 50 to 70% of that gross monthly income. So if it's $10,000 a month, I can pay between 500 and 700 K. So divide by 50 to 70% and tack a zero on. So nice. bringing in $10,000 a month in gross income, I can pay between five to 700. And then you can do the math going up from there. And if it's in that buy box, like I move quick. So like I'll, I'll literally go out there. I'll fly out there if I need to, you know, do any due diligence, order my appraisals. I'll be in and out of there, get you, you know, a nice handsome assignment fee paid. I don't care what you got it locked up for. You know, I'm a wholesaler at heart. So, you know, I'll pay you an assignment fee or if you're a realtor or a broker, I don't mind paying, you know, both sides of the commission. As long as the deal makes sense, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Are you open to any stabilized stuff too, or you're, you're strictly looking value right now? No, I mean, stabilized is great as long as the numbers work. Um, you know, like I said, it's just got a pencil uh, with the bank and, you know, the, I can pay more based on location and stuff too. So if it's, you know, in a better location, I can, you know, I can come up a little bit more on the price. Um, it's just, you know, really comes down to um, what the numbers are. So yeah, send it over to me. I'm, I'd love to uh, evaluate any deals that you guys get for uh, mobile home parks over 20 units, really anywhere. Uh, besides where Nick lives in New York or, uh, <laughs> or Illinois, keep me out of the communist states. But other than that, um, I'm, I'm open to looking at any deals. Nice, man. Yeah, I, I really like the mobile home class lately. I, I've been wholesaling a few bar parks. I have a couple. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i link up with you after and see if you have any interest. But one of the things I heard you saying about them was like that you like the asset, but they're not going to appreciate like some other real estate will because basically they're vehicles. But what's your take on that? Because the way I'm looking at it is, like, you know, multifamily storage units, all these things caught on. People are developing them, they're, bu they're building them. And there's not that much inventory for mobile home parks. And I feel like more and more people are interested in them. And as those other asset classes start to become more competitive and almost not worth buying for the hedge funds, even though on paper, they might not appraise for more, I feel like buyers are going to take them at a much lower cap rate, which will help us sell them and make a lot more money. Even though it's not technically appreciation, I do think that there's going to be a lot more value on the resale. Big time. I mean, hedge funds are already moving into the space. Like this is what, um, you know, apartments were back in, you know, to that, like 10 years ago. Yeah. So now, now's the time, you know, in another you know, five or 10 years, they're probably going to be trading like the cap rates in apartments. So um, there's a you know, shift in baby boomers that don't have succession plans that want to liquidate. Um, so it's a great time to you know, be in that space, but definitely in terms of like, you know, exit, you know, five, 10 years from now, it's going to be phenomenal. The, the only thing it doesn't appreciate, like trailers themselves, trailers don't appreciate, you know, houses do appreciate. Historically, trailers go down in value, but in terms of actually buying the parks, yes, they do go up in value. So it's a you know, wonderful asset class. If you're looking for, you know, long-term wealth, you know, you know, something to, you know, park your money, you know, have a nice portfolio, nothing's going to cash flow. Um, and real, and the, terms of real estate asset classes quite like trailers I, I don't know anything else right now that's crushing it besides like airbnbs and stuff like that but it's almost a different industry 
Nice, man. I agree with you a thousand percent. I'm big on mobile home parks. I'm looking to pick up a lot over the next couple of years. So, man, this has been awesome. Talk about uh, all things Nick Perry. How do people find you? What's coming up? How can people connect with you if they have stuff they want to send you? I know Instagram's a big one, but talk about the ways to connect with you. Yeah, best way is probably going to be Instagram. Just you know, send me a direct message there. It's just Nick Perry, REI. So like real estate investment. So Nick Perry, REI. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, we've got a bunch of events coming up. I'm speaking in um, Orlando here in a few weeks, which is right now it's August of 2021. So in September, I'll be speaking in Orlando. Then I've got a big event down here in Miami in October. So, you know, a bunch of stuff on the horizon doing the this year so uh, if you guys are watching that it's going to be a good event but keep up with me on um social media you know, i'd love to get to know you know, each and every one of you guys and you know, see how i can you know help your guys business awesome man well i appreciate it you sir bring your a-game and everything you do this did not disappoint you brought tons of value you're very entertaining and a pleasure to talk to as always any final thoughts before i let you go no man get out there crush your business you know uh, there's no excuses anymore with the amount of uh your mentors and resources out there. So you, you, you're in a great place. You got um, your great people around you. We're all rooting for you. So get out there and crush it. I love it. Nick Perry, ladies and gentlemen. So what's it be?